media at SAFM with Ashraf Gardner. Right, so Sunday morning means two hours of uh, communications, brand communications, marketing communications, certainly communicating with all things with regard to the media as well. All of that coming up. My name is Ashraf Garda. You can connect with me on air anytime you feel strongly about an issue uh, and love the diversity of opinion, as always. You know that, right? So 0891-104207-34701 is the SMS number. You can tweet at Ashraf Garda. And by the way, as you know, we've had the job pitch on Thursdays in the afternoon talk show that I host, some of the people who've pitched for marketing and media and, and, and journalism uh, posts, uh, I'll read out those pitches just now. Just read them out. So if you are in a position to employ them, uh, yeah, let me know. You'll be supr- you'll, you'll really please me, put it that way, and you'll certainly please them even tenfold. Okay, talk about pleasing. What, what about coverage of, of African issues? It could be good or, or you know, positive or negative. There's a sense amongst many people that for whatever reason, you know, African issues uh, don't really get the global coverage versus anything else. I mean, one thinks about fairly recent issues like, for example, what's happening in Ukraine. And, and when that happens there, you get massive wall-to-wall coverage. And then, of course, what's happened in France uh, regarding those terror attacks and then versus, at the same time, the, the issues around Boko Haram, which we know is not new, but around that same period uh, where, what is it, 17 people died in France, you had, I think, a couple of hundred people, in fact, were killed uh, again by the hands of, of uh, Boko Haram. Certainly, they, they've claimed that. So, the question then is, why did that get such little coverage relatively uh, to, to what happened, not just in France, but then across the board? It certainly gets us thinking about it. Is there a reason, or am I just digging for something that really is not there? So, we've got three guests. Professor Nixon Kariti with us. He's the CEO of, of uh, is it Tangaza Africa Media, right? Of course, before that, head of media studies at WITS and the person, uh, Pearson Chair of Economic uh, Journalism at Rhodes. Uh, Nixon, good chatting to you. It's been a while. It's been a while, Ashraf. Really nice. Thank you for having me. No, it's a pleasure. I certainly look forward to, to getting your opinion on this issue. Uh, in studio is uh, Kristen Fanski, who is the now AFP Southern Africa correspondent. Well, good chatting to you once again. Hi. Thanks so much for having me, Ashraf. Good. And an award-winning journalist at that on a few occasions we've chatted in the past, right? And Janine Lazarus uh, with me as well. I mean, we chat to her fairly regularly from Janine Lazarus Media. Janine, good chatting to you. Hi. Hi, Ashraf. Thank you. I, I mean, in fact, I'm going to start with you because we chat to you so often. What, what is your take on this? I mean, is, is there... A, okay, let me put it this way. Should I just read Akis one of those things or should I say conspiracy theories? There are reasons why African issues don't get global coverage when they are, in fact, global stories. I don't know if I'd go as far as, as, as uh, putting conspiracy theories as a label to it. I think what's more to the point, Ashraf, mm-hmm. is that I don't know whether us African journalists are actually doing much better a job than Western journalists of of covering issues in Africa. And that, for me, is where the problem lies. It's one thing for us to accuse the Western media of of, of viewing what happens in Africa through um, their own sort of skewed perspective. But when we are not doing much better a job, then I think the questions need to be asked. Okay, so you're saying, in fact, we are not doing as well. We'll find out why in a second. Uh, Professor Dixon, Kariti, what's your take? Oh, you know, Ashraf, I, I do agree with what uh, the, the panel says. I think that there's another tack to it, which is uh, that uh, we may need to review how we consider African coverage. And I'll give you an example. In the past, we saw that uh, the media only came in when there was, like, death or famine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, the, me- the, the global media has been with us. 
And I want to refer you to the uh, to the abduction or kidnapping of the 200 schoolgirls in Nigeria last year. And the way we saw this movement come up and the social media come up with, uh, uh, you know, bring back our girls. And mm, mm, what, mm. What, we, what we don't realize is the media may actually be coming. And, and maybe it's time, like, uh, like she says, is it, is, is it a time for us to look inwardly and say, is there something within us? And it need not be in the, in the African media. But is there something in the African context that is driving away constant media, global media coverage. And I would like us to investigate that maybe okay. a little later. Well, we certainly will do that. Now, Kristen Fransky has written for the Independent Newspapers, and when she chatted to me a few months ago, I think, Kristen, you made the point that you wanted to cover African issues in a big way. So, in, in, interesting enough, uh, you obviously already see a, a need that there's big gaps, isn't it? Well, you know, one of my opinions is that one of the reasons behind the xenophobic attacks in South Africa is a complete lack of knowledge by South Africans about what's happening in the rest of the continent. Perhaps if they understood what a lot of their African brothers and sisters had gone through, what drove them to South Africa, they wouldn't be so much vitriol against them. And the media is very much to blame in that sense. We are mm. not covering Africa the way we should be, in South Africa at least. The international news is, uh, you know, whittled down to a single page of mm, herbs, mm, mm. and we're supposed to understand this, this incredibly complex complex continent based off of these 200 word blurbs okay so i mean that and that, that's just moving it slightly aside you're saying almost like a story of why are we here why are these people here yes isn't it okay now if we apply the same principle to a global issue wh why are we not getting the global coverage that that africa should get for global stories and i have to specify that one of the big reasons is the differences in coverage in south africa and or in africa and and elsewhere in the world so if people uh, look on my twitter this this morning at kristen fanski they'll see i've retweeted two links to afp's behind the scenes blog called correspondent and one of these show, one of the articles shows the behind the scenes of reporting on the the charlie hebdo issues mm. and you have techies and journalists literally following the on the manhunt around France looking for these guys and the other shows the difficulties from our Lagos Bureau in trying to report on what happened in the bugger attack where reportedly mm. 2,000 people were killed and how so little information filters out it's too dangerous to travel to the area there's no cell phone coverage in the area it takes weeks for the survivor stories to come out and you're getting stonewalled consistently by government i mean it's an entirely different way of operating and, and, and you largely think that's true by and large absolutely okay that's an interesting one well, uh, professor nixon kariti what, what are your thoughts about it in fact uh, kristen's talking about resources as opposed to you know deliberately withholding information is like we just can't cover it because there's just not enough people who can go and cover the story. I, th I think she's right. And I think the, the, the one element that she mentions she would like to expand on is the, the stonewalling by, uh, by African governments and African, uh, African leaders. In fact, the African story is interesting to the world. It, there, there are so many elements. And we've had reasons for, for the world to see that we are great. Nelson Mandela was a great story. Kofi Annan, when he mm, led the mm, United mm. Nations. I, I, Lupita Nyong'o winning an, the Oscar was a great African uh, celebration. The reality is that when you come down, the, the, the international media doesn't just want to come down, cover the good things and go away. They want to come down and see what leads to these bad things. What, what, why is there this the context like this? Is there something else that I can see? They come here, they open their eyes, they want to see, but there is this roadblock, uh, roadblocks that are placed by African systems 
because they don't want too much scrutiny. So when, when if you take, for example, the Westgate attacks, uh, terrorist attacks in Kenya, in Kenya they yeah. were terrible. Mm. And the media rallied. The media really was sympathetic with Kenya and came out and listened. But you know what happened? They started seeing that there was looting. And when they saw that, they were not welcome anymore because it was the military that was looting. And, and, and now Kenya has even passed a new law on how to cover issues like that so that they can actually stonewall. They are using systems to stonewall this. So, so you're in fact saying that there are governments in place who clearly do not want the stories to go out. Forget about others. Governments find themselves vulnerable and therefore stonewall. That's an interesting one. Janine Leveris, your thoughts on that? Okay, I... I I'm going to disagree in part with uh, with the other panelists. I mean, in terms of um, what Professor uh, Kariti was saying, in terms of the bring back our girls, I know that um, mm -hmm. uh, President Barack Obama's wife Michelle was uh, there was a photograph of her in the, in the media with a with a signboard saying "Bring back our girls," but I think that that was more fashionable uh, to sort of keep up with the trends more than 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 real connection with the issue. Um, I also am not entirely convinced about you know, resources I accept, um, but I'm not entirely convinced that these stories are so hard to get. I mean, in this age of connectivity, you know, citizen journalism, mobile phones, and rampant social media, access is becoming much less of an issue. So I think it is, I think that there's a much, a much deeper reason. And, 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 and I think that they, we need to look at governments of the day. We need to look at things like proximity. You know, um, wars in Africa are arguably, and, and not correctly, but wars in Africa are of little interest to the West because they are happening to people too far away who are, in, the, in their skewered perceptions, perhaps too different. And those countries are perhaps not important enough. Okay, that's your opinion. 0891-104207. My name's Ashraf Garda. We talk media issues, media marketing, branding, advertising every Sunday morning on the show. You can call in, of course. You can SMS to 34701. Many people are tweeting anyway. And if you are tweeting, tweet at Ashraf Garda. Use the hashtag media show if you can. Now, now, Kristen Key is the AFP Southern Africa correspondent. Interesting what, what Janine says. I mean, Notwithstanding this part agreement, she actually is saying that, in fact, in these times, clearly the, the, the big media houses can make a plan, at the very least probably using citizen journalists to get a story out. Uh, listen, I agree, and I would say that, that that counts for a lot. But if you just, for example, look at the, the bugger incident in isolation, mm, this happened mm. in a very isolated place, and it wasn't a matter of citizen journalism. It was a matter of only when the president went to that part of Nigeria to campaign um, that the information started coming out because a spokesperson made an announcement about it. Um, and above and beyond that, we're still trying to get survivor in stories out of that with, you know, through our Lagos Bureau. Mm -hmm. um, and and it's, that's taken weeks because the survivors are literally walking away from the devastation. This is not a matter of them picking up a cell phone and tweeting it. We may assume mass mobile connectivity around Africa, but that doesn't cover all of Africa. And in this one particular incident, it, did, it just didn't apply. Mm. Okay, now, now the, the, the second part of that, which Janine suggested, that, that African issues generally are just not that important to, to the world. I agree, and it's it's quite a tragedy. We've got these slow-burning wars that have been going on for years. I mean, the attacks, the Boko Haram attacks have been going on for ages. This is not something new that started in Nigeria. The Charlie Hebdo attack had novelty to it, mm, right? Mm. It's, it's an awful thing to say, but this doesn't happen every day in France. This is exciting. This is different. It, in France, it's new. In Nigeria, in the DRC, it's not new when there's another attack by a rebel group. 
it is the same old news. It's like another car bomb going off in Iraq. You've heard this before. Uh, several people were killed. And it just I think it just goes past readers' minds. I don't think they even process the number mm, of people mm, that's mm. being mentioned. Okay, that, that could be a good point. Car bomb in Iraq, I think, comes to mind. A bombing in, 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 in Pakistan. You're quite right. If I even follow that, I hardly ever read the story yeah. because I tend to sort of know the narrative anyway. We'll get to some of the callers, Faisal, in just a minute. But let's get to further opinion, Professor Nixon. Kariti, your, your thoughts on that. I mean, is it not true that because some of the issues uh, that, that we cover in Africa, as Kristen has said, are in fact slow burners, they, they're just not that exciting anymore. And that's one of the big factors why they're not seen as big news stories. Uh, Ashraf, uh, you know, uh, th there is very strong evidence of what she says, but there's also other evidence of journalists, you know, pursuing a story and trying to get to the bottom of it. Give you an example of Ebola. And Ebola is an African story, there is no doubt about it. But in fact, if it was only up to the, uh, up to the African media, it would be dead. Because the African media have not come up with new story frames to cover this. In fact, there's a highly sensationalist, like, you know, a soccer team stopped in an East African airport because they come from an, uh, an Ebola mm, truck mm. country, you know. But the reality is uh, the story of Ebola has been kept alive by international media because they've pursued various elements to it. For example, research, what's going on, uh, elements about what the international aid agencies are seeing on the ground. I think that the African story can be kept alive. But I think, the, you know, the, 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 and there is interest. And I think where the, where the global media see value, for example, the Ebola story, they really stay with it. I think the reality of that story is that Ebola is, can affect them too. And I think that that is something that worries everybody. Okay. I think so, so the African media cannot, like, like one of the panelists is saying, at a time when you can when you can find a journalist email and tell them where are you now feed me daily report and I'll feed you what's going on over here and and and, and you know form networks and it's not at once off it's an in sort of a, a long term or a, or a well planned idea a way of keeping the keeping stories alive and if you've chosen to be a journalist do it properly and I think African journalists there must take the blame okay and uh, I see our hang uh, to Dequ saying I think African journalists are underreporting African stories that no should doubt. be making internet you, you think that's true Janine that means when that's <laughs> underreporting this is now almost deliberate you know what because of the sense of we're Africa we don't really want the world to know about some of the bad things in our continent because we, we are we do perceive we're under attack generally so let's just let's report but underreport you think that's true I think, I think you're absolutely right, and I think Professor Kariti has also made such an interesting point. I think African media commits many of the same sins of the Western media. We almost buy into the Western perception that we're a den of iniquity, that we're a continent of despotic governments, of, uh, you know, controlled elections or uncontrolled elections, of gun running and drug smuggling and child trafficking. I'm, I'm thinking of the most Awful. I mean, apart there's been so many examples, but I'm thinking of a massacre in Cote d'Ivoire in, uh, in March 2011, mm -hmm. where Many women gathered to demand that Cote d'Ivoire's then president, Laurent Gagbo, step down. One woman was simply shot. She was gunned down. The military were clearly visible. But Cote d'Ivoire somehow just didn't seem to fit the bill in terms of interesting news context. And there are many examples of that. There just seems to be an, uh, um, an inexcusable lack of balance in news coverage. Okay, that's your thoughts. Let's get to some of the callers and we'll get back to Kristen Fonsky as well. Mike in Newlands, go ahead. Hi. Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, go sure. ahead, Mike. Yes, Mike, go yeah, ahead. Thank you. Uh, can you hear me? I certainly can, yeah. Go ahead. Good, fantastic. Thank you. Uh, no, I just, uh, look, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but I'm just wondering really is it, uh, isn't that the fact that the world is just 
sees Africa differently in as much as that. I remember when I lived in the United Kingdom, um, big stories that came out of Africa. I remember the massacre of 20,000 civilians by uh, Mugabe and the, uh, I think it was called the 5th Brigade. Mm-hmm. Um, a shocking story, yet the rest of Africa really rallied around the president and I, uh, Mugabe. And then we have our same situation here where a friend of mine who lives in the USA is very surprised by the uh, praise that's being heaped on our ex-minister of peace, Jackie Sedebi, who sadly passed away. It's just, I think, that Europe and the rest of the world is a very skewed idea on Africa because we ourselves don't really have the same norms as, as, as Europe, and therefore they kind of just say, oh, well, that's Africa for you, and they move on. Okay, mm. that, that's your thought. Uh, uh, Faisal, go ahead. Hi. Faisal, hi, you're on the air. Ashraf, you know, Ashraf, to me, I think the standard of journalism uh, in Africa is pretty weak. I mean, I prefer to see the African stories on CNN, BBC, and Al Jazeera, because all, uh, it's, it's, it's gripping and exciting to, to see how the presenters uh, present the story, or African stories mm-hmm. on that particular channel. And the other thing is that, why don't we have uh, uh, the, the, uh, an African BBC or African uh, CNN uh, in Africa? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you know, the, uh, although BBC and CNN yeah, are international uh, news agencies, but they also they have a relative base as well. They're uh, the Sawa, uh, yeah, they're yeah. based in America, based in and in, in, in Britain and so forth. And you and you and, and you, we can't blame them, for example, for 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 showing uh, a, a relative news of of yeah. their continent. Okay, that, that's a good Faisal. That's really, that's a that's a very good point, Kristen Fransky. Let's just talk about that. I mean, there's a sense, and, and people don't understand quite get it when it comes to Sky. If there's a global story, then they bring it down to how it impacts on, on the UK. Uh, maybe BBC, BBC to a lesser extent. I think CNN definitely so. So there could be a bombing in whatever, Pakistan. It's like, okay, how does it impact on, on US foreign policy? That, that point, what is stopping us having our own African global network? That, uh, that very question, how does this affect us, was actually a pet peeve of mine when mm. I was working in local media because something would happen in Africa and I would be desperate to cover it. But the question from the editors was like, yes, but why does this matter to South Africans? Why should South Africans care about this? And a lot of that has to do with the way South African newspapers are struggling at the moment. They've become hyper-localized to try and attract more readers. So you're going to read a lot more about local issues than you are really going to read about what's happening in the world. Um, but it means that when I did want to cover, for example, what happened in the Central African Republic after the Battle of Mangui, mm. I had to find aid organizations that were willing to sponsor that trip because there was no news organization, no Local so, so your local and, and they're all big name companies. They, they, would, they would not. They, they would not send so. us unless we ha- we organise funding through an aid mm. organisation. So every trip I've done covering Africa has been with an aid organisation that has been footing the bill, because the local organisations just aren't going to do that. Now to expand on that, I now work for a wire agency, and just just to explain to the listeners how this works, uh, it's a it's a global company that provides video and photos and text from all over the world. For, for example, a newspaper that can't afford to send somebody to, to Nigeria. Yes. Mm. They subscribe to the wire agency and then they're free to take whatever elements they want from all the services we provide. When you had the Bagger massacre and Charlie Hebdo happening at the same time, AFP was covering both. If local media choose to pick up the Charlie Hebdo stories and not the Nigeria stories, not the DRC stories, not the Libya stories that we are putting out on a daily basis. Mm, mm. There's nothing we can do about that. The stories are there for them 
and the local media is choosing okay, what to so use Okay, so that's them. it, because I mean, clearly, whether, whether it's AFP or Reuters, you, you deliver it. I mean, we have access to all of that. It's up to us it's whether all online. we want to, <laughs> want to cover it. Professor Nixon, Carici, I mean, it, it does get us thinking about, certainly from, from let, let's start about this. It's true to say that for, for an African story to become global, it needs to become a big continental story in the first place, and that's probably where we're selling it short. If I, if I look at the example of Christie as well, Kristen as well as uh, Janine, we don't seem to make too much of a big issue of these things. Yes, and just, just to capture one other element that they spoke about, I know of at least three or probably five attempts to form a pan-African, uh, you know, major pan-African entity for news, you know, like a, like a CNN type. And, and they've all failed uh, because of the high amount of funding that's required and, uh, and the lack of uh, pan-African advertising interests. They are so limited that they probably make it difficult for one to justify how you're going to fund this whole entity. Uh, ha- having said that, there is also the complexity of language uh, because, you know, Francophone and Anglophone mm-hmm. are going to become a big issue. In a sense, it needs someone with, uh, with, with really a, a total commitment to, to put in money and stay with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are attempts in Eastern Africa, for example, where you find actually pan, I mean, East African TV, uh, TV networks. Uh, do they really have this stripe of original stripes and colors? Uh, maybe not, but, may, but maybe that is not a bad attempt, and I think one could say maybe that's what uh, your, own, your own entity, Ashraf, okay. has also done something. But, you know, they are, they, I think there, there may be attempts, but we haven't gotten there. To the other question of how a story uh, can be sold and to portray Africa properly, I think one of the areas that really needs to be seen as important is growing a story so that it doesn't look anecdotal anymore. It's actually something that stays with people, giving it a human face. And, and a mm, lot of mm. the stories, for example, the Malawi floods that are going on now, mm, if, mm, you, mm. if you said that there was an editor in West Africa who was interested, then how, I, if I was a reporter, how would I get that story out of Malawi so that it actually keeps in editors and, and audiences outside, um, outside of my country, but in Africa, interested? And I think it is to give it different dimensions, ensure that you actually maintain a sense that you, the audience, are here. You can see what I'm doing. You can feel it. Uh, rather than just uh, objectifying an, an abstraction where you say, you know, there was 10 today, there was 20 tomorrow. People can't keep up with that. But if you actually can give people a sense of being there, then I think that is the heart of journalism, and that's the one that's going to make people want to stay with stories for a time. Well, I'll tell you what, just talking about it, I would love to be part of a, an, an African uh, global network. Goodness, that certainly fires my imagination. But, but why is it not being done? We look at SMSs, 34701. Let me just check that out. Uh, in fact, there's some... Uh, Africa doesn't get global coverage because of its perceived self-destruct culture mentality. It comes from someone who's anonymous in KZN. And there's more. Ashraf Western Media is in Cahoots where their governments don't carry African stories because they are funding and uh, arming these groups. It comes from Golan. And another Africans uh, don't elevate and value themselves. Why should the world do just that? I'm not really sure whether that's absolutely true. But Janine Lazarus, we've got about three minutes to go. I can't believe it. L- let's just talk about, you know, two things. Why don't we have this, this African global network? Uh, you know, advertising, I see it increasingly now. Uh, CNN has got African shows funded uh, largely by, by advertising, you know, from this country, uh, from, from the continent. The same with, with BBC as well. So that seems to be a growing phenomenon, even uh, Chinese TV as well. So why can't we do that? And if we do get, a, get off with a global network, will that solve this problem of the discussion today, Janine? It's, it's not enough. 
I mean, what's being done is commendable. Um, it's good to see. It's good to see that there are television stations devoting time and resources to covering Africa, but it's not enough. I personally am appalled by the amount of journalists who parachute into crisis spots in Africa for a few days and file these little column centimeter reports with no context or understanding of the issue. I think money's got to be tracked at it. I think there needs to be training. And certainly if we call ourselves journalists, Ashraf, mm, mm. you know, we, we, we need to speak to our audience. We, I mean, I'm in the business of, of, of communications training. Your first golden guideline, and I always tell you that, is to, is to speak to an audience, to give the audience news they can use. So, you know, it's time that we started looking within and saying what is important to us, what's important to our continent, what's important to covering our stories. I remember, I remember running a media training program in Karachi in Pakistan, and I, I, um, I'd been there, I'd, I'd, I'd been in the country maybe three or four years consecutively, and I remember reading reports where Pakistan or Karachi at the time was, was painted by its own media as an absolute war zone. Mm -hmm. And there were columnists saying, well, are they doing us a favor because, because are we really on the brink of co collapse the way our own media portray us? Okay, so it gets me thinking as we wrap up for the next uh, two minutes, what, what then needs to be done? Uh, Kristen Fanskeda, let's start with you. So we are having a wish list here, right? What, what can be done? Uh, so what can be done, what should be done? Uh, on, for, from a very practical level, wish list of a journalist is to stop being obstructed by governments. And I just want to illustrate this with one little anecdote. Um, when the when the TV Joshua church building collapsed mm, mm, mm. Um, last in Nigeria, year, yeah. yes, in Nigeria, I was still working for local media at the time, and an entire group of journalists, local journalists, were immediately dispatched to the Nigerian embassy to try and get visas to get to Lagos to report the story. We paid visa fees, we paid repatriation fees, we filled out all our documents, and we were told at the embassy, unless we have a letter from the government in Abuja clearing you, you are not allowed into the country. We're all still waiting for that letter. <laughs> it never arrived. So, so you, you were obstructed, you're saying? Absolutely. It is not in their interest for, for you to show up what had happened there. And Nixon, uh, Kariti, your, your final thoughts? I, I think those examples are they are, they are, they are quite uh, illustrative. I, I, I think the media in Africa can start with its own charity begins at home. Let us start by googling five or ten journalists in another country or in another region and getting to contact them. And let's do very simple, you know, costless uh, initiatives that get stories across to one another. I'm sure African journalists, whenever I've seen, because I also do training, I've seen them wanting to talk to each other. Let's try and interest each other about what's going on in our own areas. And let's start building from there. The, I think on a, on, a, on a larger scale, the idea of having uh, African, African media get representation in places where they can fight something like what uh, the, the, the speaker illustrates happened with, uh, with Nigeria. Mm -hmm. You know, those things can be dealt with. Uh, maybe Africa, African media are not well recognized as an institution in continental areas, and someone goes through bureaucracy to see whether we can get something like this sorted out. Maybe in the future we'll be able to win that if we start working well, now. Well, you see, some may say, you know, building now a, a global network based in Africa from an African perspective is probably just as important as rebuilding an entire nation. It would have that sort of impact. Janine Lazarus, your, your final thoughts? Okay, I just, um, my, my final thoughts are out of print is not necessarily out of mind. I mean, as, as much as the professor says, the, the nation's attention was on the issue of Ebola, and hopefully it's coming to an end 
we don't read any more about Ebola stories. And uh, there's, there's no doubt it still has a crippling effect on the countries that it impacted. I'm tired of fair weather caring. I'm tired of fair weather reporting. I think resources, training needs, needs to be thrown at quality African media coverage. And that's where we're going to leave it. I think uh, we need like a whole indaba from all around the African continent. Maybe you go, all three of you guys and myself can, can set it all up and see where that comes through. Janine Lazarus, uh, thank you for your comments once again. Kristen van most appreciate your input as well. And Professor Nixon Kariti, it's a good chatting to you once again. So if you have any thoughts as a listener in terms of how we take it further, well, drop me an email, ashraf at safm.goza. And maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll have another discussion on that.